We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And Lakers fell on ring night, on opening night, 116 to 109. And we're going to get into a great deal of detail on that, on what we saw, what we think carries forward, what we think was unique to kind of a a unique night. And I want to start with why that was a a unique night. Lakers got their championship rings. They decided not to lower the banner until the fans get there, which I love. Uh, But before we get into the game, I just wanted to uh, get your guys' thoughts and feelings on ring night. They're always special occasions. A few nights ago, Mike sent us the 2010 ceremony and got me all up in my feelings, seeing Kobe and Dr. Buss and... Uh, just everybody, you know, it it was really cool how they did it. They had the players introduce each other as teammates. Um, I suggest you look that up on YouTube if you you get a chance. Last night's ceremony in the COVID world, uh, I loved how they had their families introduce the players. And I just thought it was a a beautiful ceremony. Darius, what were your thoughts on on the ring ceremony last night? I mean, I thought it was the best that they could possibly do considering all of the circumstances, right? Um, I thought it was a great touch with the families introducing. Um, 
I thought it was, you could tell LeBron thought it was extra special that they got some students from the I Promise school, from, yeah. from his school back back in Akron. Um, I thought Jeannie mentioning every single player that graced the roster last year, including Troy Daniels and DeMarcus Cousins, who did not finish the season with the team because they were waived earlier during the year and just talked about the idea of them contributing to the championship run, which is true, right? Like, I think we often forget that it's a journey to get to this place. And just because you were there at the end or were not there at the end, right? Because you look at a player like Dion Waiters or J.R. Smith, who were added late in the season, um, that it's a process with all of those guys and all of them had some, some contribution. So I thought it was really nice of her and special of her to, to mention those guys up front and not as like an afterthought. Um, Mike, you were in the building, correct? Yeah. So what was, what was it like for you? I know that you've been to a couple of these before you, you know, little flex for you there, but it's (laughs) like, um, I'm, I'm sure it was different without fans there and family there, but, um, for you, what was it like sort of seeing it from your vantage point? Well, first of all, to your point about the players that she met, the genie mentioned and genie's always classy, right? Just like Dr. Bossing, that's one of the biggest things that she learned from him. But if, if support staff, uh, and you know, even people like me, like on the broadcast or reporting side, if we're going to get rings, then damn sure a player who was in a, a single film session or a single practice that was in there that was really, um, you know, participating in helping the team get better on the court, which is how they ultimately won. Uh, damn sure every single one of those guys deserves a ring. And I am I am never going to be one to criticize. Be like, oh, that guy didn't play. He wasn't the postseason run. Same thing for Avery Bradley. Um, absolutely deserves one. All those guys um, were a, a piece of this. And so I, I think that was a good thing to highlight, Darius. So being in the building, I think that a lot of these things are about expectation. And so my expectation was way lower than when I went in the building for the first two ring nights, of course, based on the fact that there weren't going to be fans there. But I thought they did the one thing to still find a way to make it personal and special for the players. And that was to have them all be surprised by having their families come on and give a message. Like that's, that's the only thing I think that would have made sense and had the players down in that court really feeling something. And LeBron uh, felt that it was special enough that he sprinted back. So I, I watched him. They're all kind of, uh, you know, Adam Silver's about to come out and all the players are standing next to each other kind of, uh, and of course, just the players that won last year, um, the other players were, were elsewhere in the background. And LeBron all of a sudden takes off running towards the locker room. Usually when that happens, it's because a player has to relieve himself. And in this case, uh, he comes back out with his phone and he told us in the post game that he first tried to FaceTime uh, his wife. And she didn't answer, so he tried to. So he FaceTimed his mom and got his mom on the FaceTime. It, even though you could watch it on TV, he just wanted her to feel that extra sense of belonging and int- intimacy to it. So those moments were touching, right? Because this is all underscored under the pandemic, and people are still dying, and so all of that stuff is totally understood. That uh, I, I'm glad that they did it that way, and it seems like it meant a lot to the players. Um, Pete, did you? I know I just sent you guys this a minute ago, but. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but there are some pretty dope features about the ring itself. (laughs) Uh, These guys, you know, you see Dudley tweeting his out like a little kid, like with a box opening and the spotlights on it. So did did anything stand out to you when you when you saw those rings? 
Oh man, we were talking right before we recorded about the snake, uh, which I believe are two snakes. I see two snake heads on uh, LeBron's, you know, for example, the example they showed was LeBron's ring and there's a two, three there. And so the, the homage to Kobe, the, it has a top that comes off and then shows the retired rings again with a little more highlight and accent on Kobe's jerseys in that, man, it just, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful ring. Mike, have you seen the rings up close? Did you get a good look at any of them last night? No, I just, I, I haven't ah. seen them up close. So we, were, so we were all atop the lower bowl and many of us, you know, won't receive them for a while. And so first of all, shout out to Jason of Beverly Hills, who somehow managed to get all of the players rings done. Like they, you know, obviously they couldn't start making them until um, after they won the title. And then a contract had to be assigned, right? This stuff just doesn't happen overnight. So he was really hustling to get these things done. And uh, by the way, he also got the Dodger uh, contract, I believe, for this year. So now he's going to move straight on to that. How dope is that, by the way? Um, to have awesome. the, the Lakers and the Dodgers both getting their rings this year. From Anyway, uh, Pete, so here's what <laughs> I have a little description. And I promise we're going to get into the game and dissect it fully. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. Each number, this is, I think, from Jason of Beverly Hills' staff that they sent to the Lakers. Each number has a Mamba snake behind it that pays homage to Kobe Bryant. Uh, there is a removable top that reveals all the retired Lakers jerseys with a special emphasis on the two Kobe Bryant retired jerseys. Uh, that So that part I haven't seen yet. Can't wait to see that. The background behind the retired jerseys is a snakeskin texture. So, like, they were, you know, there was no subtlety here. Like, this part of this was about Kobe. Uh, AD screamed Kobe after he hit the game winner, right? Like all, right. a lot of this was about Kobe. And then just the top line items, the the rings were completed for opening night and record-breaking time. They said the ring has a total of 804 stones and 15.5 carats of white and yellow diamonds. Another 0.95 carats features Lakers purple amethyst stones. I think that's supposed to symbolize the amount of days they were in the bubble um, to some extent. The ring is complete with 16.45 carats of stones. And oh wait, what's the other? Oh yeah, there are 17 Lakers purple amethyst stones placed in the L to represent the team's 17 championships. And you know that part is cool too because the the previous two rings in nine and ten, or I guess it should be ten and eleven that the ring knights were. Uh, those are they don't have that extra little color splash. So that's one thing that makes it stand out. But enough enough for me on the ring. Um, they look pretty dope, and I'm I'm glad the players got to do that. So now they can move on and focus to basketball and this season. And that's that's what we're going to try to do here. But the fact that it is such a transition to go from celebrating all that you did the year before and this it's this physical representation of all of the work and achievement that you accomplished. And then 10 minutes later, you are chasing Kawhi Leonard off of a wide pin down. Right. And there's a mental transition there that the Lakers got the crap beat out of them in that first quarter. They were down 39 to 19 at one point. Um, roared back in the second. It was a two-point game at halftime. And then in the third quarter, they, you know, both teams went back and forth. The Clippers started out well. Then we, we started out well. And then once LeBron went to the bench at the uh, about halfway through, I thought that's where the game was lost was in that third quarter. Paul George kicked the crap out of us in the third quarter in the beginning of the fourth. Game never really got close after that. Lakers end up losing 116 to 109. I have a few game-specific and then matchup-specific observations with the Clippers. But Darius, I'm curious to hear in this, we all know the context, right? With it being ring night, but also with it being the quick turnaround. LeBron doesn't play for the last eight minutes of the game. No Laker plays more than 32 minutes. 11 guys get rotation minutes as, as we expected 
what in a game like this, what is real and what is not from the from in terms of like, what do you what did you take from this game that you're like, that's going to matter going forward? Oh, man, that's a trick. Just give me one thing. Yeah, yeah. That, you, we could go on for 20 minutes on, on that question. Give me one thing that, that stood out. The thing that stood out to me is that defensively, the Lakers have a long way to go from where they want to be. I think that their identity defensively is changed significantly. Not necessarily change doesn't always mean bad. It change just means it's different than what it was before. After watching a team for uh, an entire year, literally, right? Like 12 whole months of watching the team play, play basketball. Um, that identity is forged over a long period of time and, and it sticks with you, even as a fan, right? Remembering exactly how they played defense. And this iteration of the Lakers is going to go at it a little bit different, right? Now, not everything we saw last night is going to translate moving forward and some of the bad things that that we saw defensively but they're going to be a different team because their personnel is strikingly different in the four and five positions. Um, and that was a major part of their identity last season with the three headed monster at center and how big and athletic that group was versus what their three headed monster at center looks like this year. Um, so if I had one takeaway in what's real and what's not, again, that's, this doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It just means it's going to be different. And that difference is going to take some time to adjust to. Um, so that's sort of my one thing, Mike, what stood out to you? Like my question from someone who had a different vantage point than us, was there something more offense or defense that you saw that not necessarily was a concern or even a great thing, but just something that's that you noticed. Yeah. To me, it's much less about basketball and, you know, X's and O's and defense versus offense versus scheme versus personnel. Uh, This is just about LeBron and AD and mentally and where they're at with what the season is about. And I think the, it's totally understandable. It's part of what we expected. It's what we saw in the preseason. When LeBron and AD started in the Phoenix games, right? They like they are just getting their bodies going again. It's different from the rest of the team. Um, although you saw a little bit of that, I think, with Marcus Allen and Wesley Matthews, like some of these vets that uh, this that are uniquely affected by this. You, you don't see it as much with Dennis Schroeder or Harrell or Caruso or even Kuzma. You know, these guys that are either in their prime physically or younger than that, THT. So Anthony Davis. And you may have seen me tweet this out, but just in, just to, I'm curious if you like how many shots do you think he took in the paint um, out of his 15 attempts last night? Just from only a test. couple, just yeah. A, so two or three, three, yeah, three, yeah. I mean, so AD took 15 shots, three were in the paint, and they weren't at the rim. Really, they were sort of like uh, mid paint. All the rest of them were jumpers, mostly face up, mostly after kind of turning and isolating and then lofting and jumper, and many of them went in. His touch looks good, but that's not a recipe for Lakers success. It never was last year, that alone. Then on defense, when the Lakers were getting killed at the rim, AD was on the floor a lot. How many times did you see him coming over and helping at the rim? Very few. Very rarely. No blocks, no steals. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's not, you know, that's, 
that's not the Anthony Davis that like all of the stuff that you were talking about, Darius, defensively. And I, I agree, like, wait, Marcus Saul is in there. Where's the other rim protection when he's out in foul trouble? What are they going to do? It was the Clippers were eight for nine in the paint in the first quarter. And then the Lakers kind of the, the thing that I that I did take away, the Lakers did kind of shut that down in the second quarter. Uh, they outscored him 35, 17. So, OK, cool. That, that was some of the effort. But this in LeBron, he had his moments as well. Uh, but, you know, LeBron seven for 17, five assists like that, that kind of stuff. So I, I think it was just more about those guys. And it the only thing that we that it's not a concern necessarily, but how long before they do kind of, OK, wait, we're playing basketball again. And that's what AD, they spoke about it. He and LeBron, wait, we're already playing basketball? And that was obvious from watching. <laughs> yeah, that's that was something that I'm less concerned about results right now. Uh, than, and we're going to win plenty of games even early on. But one thing that last night, because the couple of preseason games, our starters looked bad on the defensive end as well. And the thing that I realized ties into both of your guys' points with Mark and then with that, hey, we're just ramping back up. Let's... Let's understand where our two best players especially are and our older players are in terms of what that that quick turnaround means. And they're tied together in that last year, we were more equipped to play somewhat mentally disengaged defense because we had shot blocking at the rim. And so it's one thing to be giving up shots right at the rim without anybody contesting it. And it's totally another to still have to make that shot over JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard or somebody that's going to that. That's what they do. They're they're long. They have that those Air Force capabilities Our defense. And we saw what our defense, how our defense could be good in that second quarter, especially thought we played fantastic defense. Our defense is more of a beat you to the spot defense this year than last year. And if you're not mentally engaged, you're half step slow to that or if you're physically ramping back up and and so our front court until lebron ad and mark are all physically ready to really compete on that i have concerns defensively because it's the last year that you still probably had to hit a jump shot because even if we were kind of not mentally engaged on the defensive end for a game or a quarter or whatnot you still have to hit an open jumper more likely than get an open look at or right around the rim. So that's a, that's an early season concern. Isn't the word for it because when the, the time comes, those guys will be ready to defend obviously. But if our starting front court is a step slow defensively, we're probably going to give up a lot of points on. I'm curious on the, on the offensive end, Darius with Mark, I thought Mark was, really bad last night just in in a couple of senses but we didn't run any action through him at the top of the key which i thought was notable in terms of how do we incorporate him i think we lose some value in not running offense through him anyway yeah that just a that was something that stood out for me look man if so i'm going to go back to your first question to answer your second question there when you ask me what's another takeaway from this offensively the Lakers are so much more talented than what they were last season but their identity is much more disparate again yeah right where they've got a lot of different ways that they can play and finding the way to make that cohesive is going to be a process right and so they did not run any flow offense through Marcus all right. Um, 
They didn't really get into a lot of like pick and roll with like Harold, right? Um, they they didn't do a lot of different things that are totally in their bag to go to, and they just didn't get to it, right? Now, right. there's <clears throat> so I agree with you on like the value side, the value loss with like Gasol there because um look man the clippers and maybe i'll save this for the second half of the pod where we start to get into more individual matchup stuff but from a big picture standpoint i just think okay well oh they could have done this they could have done that they could have done this they could have done that and they didn't for whatever reason and i think if you're looking if you're starting to look for reasons to that or for that, it's likely because they actually haven't played together a lot. They actually don't have a, a good feel for how they want to flow and jump from spot to spot to spot, right? And, and, and so it's like a game of Frogger or Cubert, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm showing my like my age. I'm gonna but, stay, <laughs> but but there's a bunch of like hopping around in order to get to the right location at the end, right? To to like get to the other side of the screen or the map or whatever, and there's a sick PS5 be, version of uh, yeah. Frogger, apparently, right? That's what everybody's trying to, to get the PS5s for, I heard. Y- yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear, Mike. Um, totally. I, I hear there's a multiplayer gameplay that's online. That's great for that. Um, I, I, th- I think Warzone is actually built off of that, Mike, in, in the COD. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Anyways, there's... there's this idea of, well, we're going to go from this to that, to this, to that. And when you're clicking at all levels, that stuff is going to be natural to you, right? Like, and they're going to be able to flow from like something with Gasol at the top of the key. That's then going to swing through and get to LeBron where it's like, Oh, now he's in the post. And then everyone's going to cut and shift and they're going to be parked weak side. There's going to be times where that just looks so seamless and natural but that wasn't last night, right? And, and, and so they're not there yet. And the fact that they played, I think, pretty poorly for most of that game. And oh, yeah. there was still plenty of moments where you thought all they need to do is get over the hump here and they could maybe take control back. It shows how far talent can take you even when you're not playing well. And so that would probably be another big takeaway for me is like the talent is clearly there even when they got some poor performances from rotation players. Yeah, we spoke about on the pod previewing this matchup how the Clippers should be the team that if they played well and if they played hard and they came out and you know tried to punch the Lakers in the mouth, they could most quickly change their narrative from losers, blowers of the 3-1 lead, you know, uh, all the p- pandemic P and all, all the jokes everybody wanted to make about the Clippers. And they can immediately be like, yeah, but guess what, right? We beat you in the opener. And that's why, you know, I know that Laker fans were countering that by tweeting out certain memes um, of, of banners that we won't get into. But like we, we expected this to happen to an extent that they were going to come out and they were just going to compete better. And they did. And so they get, they get the win. They get credit for it and they deserved it. Um, the Paul George shooting display was impressive. I, I, I mean, he was making everything uh, contested shots all on the perimeter. That's uh, that's something that he gets credit for. Um, that was, that was impressive. Kawhi was not efficient tonight, but he was getting downhill to the rim more um, than he was last year. And 
I thought they really took advantage of the the center matchups that we also had talked about being a concern about Gasol being on the floor when Ibaka was. Uh, we mentioned this before the game. Um, and then Harrell and Zubats, like Zubats was too big for the Lakers second unit. And Gasol's value defensively was kind of wasted with Ibaka out there just shooting threes and, you know, shooting mostly open threes. So there's all of that kind of stuff is reason why, since it was all predictable and it happened, it's reasons why you don't concern yourself with it long-term too much. Um, I, I thought the Lakers are the more talented team. They're the deeper team. They're they're ultimately the better team. And that that will play out as the season goes on. But all of the stuff that was going to lead to a potential opening loss happened. And guess what? They lost. They did. They did. And uh, I want to get in the after the break, get more into the matchup specific stuff with the Clippers, because while it's all in context, I do think that we get our first data points on how these two teams with a little bit of tweaks match up with each other. And you hit on a couple of the things that I want to get deeper into. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into that. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with our $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So I want to start with our matchup specific, like how do we match up with the Clippers this year with that point that you made about the center matchups. I was struck by the very different coaching approaches in that game. There was a play where whoever KCP was defending, I think it might've been Patrick Beverly. This is in the first quarter. They set a step up screen for Kawhi. KCP is supposed to hedge there and Kawhi blows by KCP, which shouldn't happen, right? From a foot speed standpoint. But again, this plays into the whole step slow, you know, ring night, all that, right? He blows by KCP. Mark makes the rotation, but Kawhi kind of elevates over the top of him, draws his second foul or, and gets subbed out of the game. As soon as Mark goes out of the game, Zubats came into the game. And Ibaka had been playing well on both ends up to that point, but it was very striking to me. And 
Ty Lue did this in the third quarter as well. As soon as Mark went out of the game, Zubats comes in, which speaks to what Mike was talking about of for in the Lakers Clippers matchup, Mark will have difficulty with Ibaka because of Ibaka's pick and pop ability, right? That closeout is a long way to go for a guy with Mark's foot speed. With Zoo versus Harrell, Harrell's too small to rebound to control the defensive boards against zoo and zoo got a couple of offensive boards and earned extra possessions with drawing fouls and whatnot you saw a couple times trez making the motion like sandwich rebound like come drop down to help me rebound like i can put a body on him but i'm not gonna win this one-on-one battle and so it was striking to me that Ty Lue really tried to make sure he had the exact matchup and if we were to play them in a playoff series i suspect that that would be part of the chess match right as vogel would look to to match that but in last night's game, he didn't. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that um, – what did you see from individual – the individual matchups of this game that may be a little different from the Lakers-Clippers matchup last year, Darius? Oh, man, so many things. Like the Gasol – Gasol having issues in space against five-out offenses particularly five out offenses that then turn to a lot of like handoff and pick and roll stuff where Gasol is super comfortable in drop um almost too comfortable I would say (laughs) right where it's like um you know how when you wake up in the morning and your alarm goes off and it's winter and you've got a nice down blanket and you're you're very comfortable and it's time to get up and maybe make your pot of coffee. And you think, ah, let me hit snooze for a minute. I'm going to roll over and crunch up in my nice, warm, down blanket a little bit longer. That's the type of comfort level Gasol had to drop last night. Like, oh, yeah. this is so comfortable. Let me just drop a little bit more and a little bit more. Yeah. And the space, the space that he was seating was taken up by players like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who even when they didn't get all the way to the rim, they ended up shooting four six-foot jumpers that are like Papa shot for them, right? And, and so those aren't rim scores, right? Those aren't restricted area points, but they are points in the paint because they are getting so deep into the teeth of your defense. And then even when they weren't necessarily scoring, it was kick out, maybe swing, swing, Right. And then Mark then isn't on his man because he was helping. So now it's time to close out again. And if it's a Baca that's on the floor, those are those are crazy deep closeouts for a guy like him. He's not going to get there. So that was one thing that stood out to me. Um, Another thing that stood out to me was like um, Wes Matthews. Um, I thought Wes also had a, a pretty poor game. He had some really open threes that he missed. Um, and then defensively, um, he looked a little bit slow when guarding Paul George and he looked a little small, um, both from a height standpoint and from a strength standpoint when Kawhi Leonard really took it to his chest a couple of times. Um, so that's, those are two things that I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Mike, I want to ask you a question about this because. I don't know how big of a deal these things are in the big picture because LeBron didn't spend a single possession 
I feel like guarding Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, unless it was on like a switch after a switch after a switch, like he actually had to like be forced onto him in order to get a, a single defensive possession against either of those guys. And watching the Clippers play a five out offense with the Lakers trotting out Gasol, it reminded me sort of of like game one of the Houston series where the Lakers were sort of like, ah, we're going to do this thing that we do. This is some guys like that we believe in. And this is our lineup, quote unquote. And so we're just going to see how, how this goes. And we honestly don't care. And, and so Mike, I know that you're you're always much more of a big picture thinker when it comes to some of this stuff. So how much does some of this stuff matter, even even though I think that they directly contributed to a loss? Yeah, <laughs> you guys are going to have to kind of check me throughout the year because I'm going to have a default of, hey, chill out on on all this kind of stuff. And you mentioned one of the biggest reasons why. And guess what? I think Pete and I got into this a couple of weeks ago about the whole, you know, big wing defender. The Lakers need another one. And I'm like, well, I mean, they've got these guys named LeBron James and Anthony Davis who are going to do that when it matters. And as you just mentioned, Darius, last night did not matter to them. And of course, they wanted to win. They wanted to compete. But they are balancing this super unique, weird thing of keeping their stars healthy throughout. And right now. That plan included having LeBron James not check back into a game with six minutes left when it was still within striking distance, like in particularly if they were going to have to um, if this were a game that they like did have to win. Um, AD played 31 minutes and we mentioned I mentioned earlier that he didn't play like AD. So those those are the things that paint over all of the other concerns, which are which are valid. Everything every single basketball point you made is 100 percent true. But it's all in that bigger context. And since we have seen it before, that might be the difference from last season, where we hadn't seen it work at the highest level, where, oh, yeah, LeBron and AD are going to come over and take those assignments on when stuff matters. So I'm but what I don't want to do is sort of make, you know, make listeners crazy by just dismissing everything is not important up until the point where habits are built in the wrong way. So there is a breaking point where they're going to have to show us. And I think that they will. It, it, it's just like ring night against a hungry Clippers team that happens to have those two tough wing matchups that most teams aren't going to have that you can't completely paint over with the bench. Um, that's why you, that's when you get tagged with an L, but I don't see these as sort of big roster haul over concerns other than maybe at some point, as we've mentioned again, many times they need to add an athletic center you know, for certain situations, like somebody that can go out and rotate on the perimeter if they need to. But guess who's going to do that when it counts? AD for the most part, right? You just start AD at center, right? Bring Mark in when Zubats goes in. Problem solved, you know? Yeah, I'm just a disclaimer from my perspective with all of the things that we get into, like, oh, this guy was bad at this. This guy was bad at that. I, from a, a global perspective, I, I think this Lakers team is a good deal better than any other team in the NBA. I really think that. And I think that this is a, there are so many different ways to attack and that our defense is different and our defense is our, our defense's ability to be good is different than how it was last year and how Frank Vogel is used to coaching, which I do think is something that's going to matter. Right. And, and that can Vogel tweak things defensively to, because some coaches, they have their system. And if you fit into their system, 
It looks great. But if you don't, they don't really adjust because they've got these philosophies that they hold very dearly. So that is something to worthy of, of keeping an eye on. But none of my like, oh, this guy wasn't good against that, like changes the fact that I think the Lakers are significantly better than any other team in the NBA. I also believe that with basketball, 80, 85 percent of it is playing against the game rather than playing against your opponent. Your opponent will present different strengths and weaknesses and challenge you in different areas of the game. But especially in the whole process of getting to the playoffs, getting to the finals and all of that, it's a matter of getting your team better and getting your team to the point of the team that lost on opening night last year was a very different team than the one that began the playoffs, not just in terms of personnel, but in terms of, of style and what they were good at. And so this whole thing is a process of getting better at certain things. And when I, when I point out they were bad at this, so this guy doesn't look like he can do that. It's a matter of, okay, these are little bits of information. How do we adjust and change things to, to get to that point? So that that's, my approach early in this season is how do we make progress rather than there's like this, this is the best roster in the NBA, man. And and there's nothing that's going to happen in this first month result wise. That's going to change my opinion on that. I, are you in a similar spot, Darius, in terms of when we get really in the weeds of, of critiquing and all of that, or do you have more like, Hey, we shouldn't take this for granted that they are the best team, the best roster in the NBA. So yes and no. The idea of none of this being set in stone is very real. It's just like, I don't know about you guys, but there are times where I tweet something, like in the first quarter, like, oh, LeBron looks a step slow, right? And then in the third quarter, he shoots a passing lane, gets a steal, and then dunks it, right? And then someone quote tweets me and says, looking, <laughs> looking a little slow, huh? It's just like, yeah, you, you know, about 45 minutes ago, this thing thing was actually true right and and so that that speaks to the point that you were making about the team that started the playoffs or even like the the way that the team looked in that weekend in february where they beat the bucks and the clippers or what or that was march or whatever i can't remember was not the same team that played on christmas Right. The personnel was different. The rotation was different. The togetherness was was different. And I expect a similar growth from this group of Lakers, especially since like last year, it is a new group of guys coming together, except this group. Actually, there's some guys who actually won last year. And so there's going to be a push and pull with this in order to try to find the right path for this group to walk together. The other side is, though, is that some guys are just, they just are what they are and trying to figure out how you do paper over weaknesses or if you can paper over weaknesses. Those are things that come to light, right? Like early during the season, last season, Troy Daniels was playing in the rotation. Quinn Cook was playing in the rotation. And then the Lakers figured out, Frank Vogel figured out pretty not quickly, but over time, yeah, you know what? Those minutes should go to Alex Caruso. Like, we're probably going to bump up KCP's minutes here. Um, Kyle Kuzma may end up having to play on the wing more, right? And these are things, things that he figured out. Yes. These are things you figure out over time. And so when, when you ask me a question and I'm like, yes and no, look, man, I wonder, like, if they're not going 
to play through Mark Gasol on offense. And and teams are able to guard him with essentially like a small forward, which the Clippers did with Nick Batum. And Gasol didn't go to the post, didn't make an impact on the offensive glass, right? And then was struggling defensively against a five-out lineup. Am, am I filing that away in my little Rolodex about things that matter? Yes. Yes, I am. Because things like that actually do matter, Pete. Like... Like, I know that LeBron and AD are going to paper over a bunch of things, but some things you just cannot paper over or it takes too much, too much of your bandwidth to paper over some, some of those things. So you end up having to make different decisions and different lineup. And there are implications to that. And, And so it's, it's a balance, right? And so, yeah, I'm filing some things away from this game, not as super meaningful, but I'm keeping an eye on a few things. I'm not going to spill them all now because I I have to talk about this stuff and write about stuff, but it's like, look, yeah, there there's stuff on my mind for sure. Yeah, the, the main thing is not to be repetitive about the center position, but that is the main thing is figuring out what lineups you can play Gasol in, um, who, who he's best next to, what times he should start uh, versus come off the bench. Do they need to add another piece there? All of that kind of stuff. That that is that is sort of an open question. But I here's my my last kind of pushback against the Lakers Clippers matchup thing. Even they we don't know if the Lakers are going to play the Clippers in the playoffs. They didn't last year, you know. Like that's ultimately how these things play out. Uh, they they have to have the same level of concern and attention to Denver or to Portland um, or to Dallas, who we're going to see on Friday. And you know there there are going to be different there are going to be different ways to unlock all of those things. And what was so curious about last regular season, the second game of the year after the Lakers, by the way, lost opening night to the Clippers who didn't have Paul George. Um, AD played 37 minutes. LeBron played 36. The Lakers were up by six at halftime on Utah, who many people were picking to finish like third. And Frank Vogel came out and started AD at the center um, in game three. And they ran Gobert off the court. And they just basically ran the jazz off the court and that set off a, what was it like a nine game winning streak and up to the point until they were 22 and uh, three or something or 24 and three. So they were, I don't think we're going to see the same kind of run this year. And that's more, again, just based off AD and LeBron, who by the way, has a sprained ankle, which he talked about after the game. Um, And he says, it's not going to keep him out of the game on Friday, but that, that stuff is the, is, is, overweighing everything else right now for me. But um, but you're right, Darius, that the file away, um, I'm doing it too. No, Mike, in terms of a Lakers Clippers specific matchup, look, man, there were just, there were matchup things Frank Vogel could have gone to that would have changed the outcome. Um, yeah. You mentioned LeBron and AD's effort level or attentiveness. That stuff matters, right? And, and, and so when I think that, even if they did match up with with the Clippers, tweaks and and, and better alignment with um, matchups and rotations, those are all things that I totally expect Vogel to not only be able to go to, but to actively seek out as um, as a problem solver, just like he did during the playoffs last season. Um, to me, it was just much more about like, oh yeah, this is this is interesting, right? And and, and trying to figure out it's all data right now. It's all information. And I know the Lakers coaches are trying to get 
get some some of that. I know that their analytics people are trying to get some some of that. I know that Rob Palinka and the front office and people just like you and and me and Pete, right? We're, we're all just trying to get information and try to figure out what's working, what's not, and try to project things long-term. So nothing is set in stone, like that tweet that we send out in the first quarter of a four-quarter game, but sometimes the thing that's true in the first quarter is still true in the fourth quarter as well. So there's two sides to that coin. All right, let's go one more time around. We're just kind of like, parting thoughts from the game especially Clippers specific because while you're right Mike we don't need to focus just on the Clippers they are one of the few teams in the NBA that I think could potentially beat us in a seven game series right if if things go a certain way we started out with AD on Kawhi and it was revealing and they did this a little bit last year but more so this year Ty Lue is a better X's and O's coach in my opinion than Doc Rivers and their approach toward getting AD off of Kawhi was to run him off of screens both on the ball but especially off of it and that was a place where if they go to that to Darius's point everything that the Clippers did last night whether it's Paul George's threes Paul George is a guy who can get hot that's also a situation where you're going to bring your big up way higher on those off ball screens to get the ball out of his hands, to make him put the ball on the deck. The second quarter to me for all of the, Oh, we looked bad at this. We looked bad at that. The second quarter real revealed how much we can turn them into a jump shooting team, right? That's something that on the positive side, when we are locked in, that's a team that, uh, cause like Mark wasn't particularly good on his contains and his drops either. So that's, Part of the reason why they go eight for nine in the first quarter. It's not just Mark. It was all a bunch of guys on the team. But when we're really locked in defensively, we can turn them into jump shooters. Uh, so those are just two odds and ends I wanted to cover before we we wrapped up. Mike, do you have anything on that end of just something that stood out from last night that we haven't covered? Yeah. So, it, well, it's in this way, I'm, I can I'm going to answer the question indirectly and then I'll, I can try to give you a direct answer since you're making me focus on this matchup so much, even though I think it's <laughs> you don't want to. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just they're going to play again and they're going to do different stuff. But so I I do this little three things kind of pregame uh, on game day, typically sometimes the day before on Lakers.com. And just I try to think about what are three things to focus on. And part of this came out of our discussion. And I don't remember which one of you feel free to raise your hand to get credit for it. But we were we were talking about the difference in attempts at the rim from LeBron and AD uh, versus George and Kawhi. And so I just I looked it up quick and this isn't adjusted per game. So you have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt. But so here's so attempts at the rim. LeBron last year, 574. He made 68 percent of them, including 81 dunks. AD. 455 and I should say this is five feet and in so not all at the rim but like right there 455 for AD uh, he made 71 percent of them including 173 dunks now go to Kawhi just 243 shots within five feet um, he made 64 percent with 67 dunks and then Paul George only 155 um, which is 60 percent with only 16 dunks that still is a major difference uh, between these two uh, that as to Pete's point, the Clippers are ultimately just fine taking jump shots. Now they beat the Lakers with that because of George's flurry in the third, but they wouldn't have if the Lakers hadn't lost the first quarter by 20. Um, they, George would have had to hit many more jump shots than there. And ultimately 
LeBron and AD's ability to not just get downhill to the rim, but protect the rim when when in the mood, which they were for the entire postseason, that still is the difference between not just the Lakers and the two Clippers stars, but the Lakers and the Nuggets stars, uh, the Lakers and the Warriors stars, the Lakers and the Suns stars, the Lakers and everybody else's stars. There is no other tandem that can get to the rim and protect the rim. It's I'm going to keep kind of beating that horn, and uh, that and I think that that is what is beating that horn. That's not a thing. I, th- I think you're beating that horse and beating tooting that, drum. that horn. Uh, or beating that drum and tooting that horn. Too many instruments. That horn, too many that's instruments. very Western. <laughs> like, tooting that horn is very Western. What am I talking I about? It. Oh, man. <laughs> Point being, uh, yeah, that that's still the kind of the, the main difference in the matchup. And I don't see the Clippers as being able to sort of take that away. And yeah, I'll, so I'll just, I'll cede over to Darius for now. Um, but that that is kind of my still matchup centric that didn't really play out in game one here but would play out in a playoff series. So these are maybe less Clipper specific, but they mattered last night against the Clippers. And I think they're going to matter all season. We talked a lot about um, Gasol and his not great debut. Um, I mentioned Wesley Matthews and his not great debut. Dennis Schroeder looked good. Montrez Harrell looked good, right? So Mm -hmm. like, I mean, there are ways that they can be better too. Trez got a bunch of baskets just by playing with a high motor and I don't think they the Lakers really didn't run too many plays for him at all at all they he got maybe one basket out of a pick and roll he got that other basket on a nice pass from Schroeder but um, the Clippers were icing the screen you know the guy who was defending Schroeder fell down and then uh, Trez back cut Nick Batum so that wasn't a pick and roll it was it's just the way that the play unfolded Schroeder is quick his jump shooting's real, it looks like to me. I was impressed with how Schroeder competed defensively. I thought he was a, a pretty good defensive matchup for Lou Williams. Like, so when you talk about specific Clipper stuff, that matters. Williams is an important player for the Clippers and having guys who you can put on him capably defensively is important. During the playoffs, maybe not so much, right, Mike? But... um. <laughs> I know we have our conversations about that, but Mike's face starts to twitch when, you know, don't talk about my face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wish you guys could see. I wish hey, you guys if could I, see this. It's like, it's like hey, eyebrow, little vein starts if coming I wanted, out. Yeah. If I wanted people to know what was going on with my face, right, then I would say it. <laughs> the whole point of contorting my face is for your benefit. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I won't. I won't. Uh, on you again. If I, that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you want, if I do I think want you're feeling my face, then I will, then I will share my face. Um, I'm switching back topics real quick to get this thing back on the rails by saying I forgot to mention with LeBron and AD. Um, there. Oh no. No, I can't. Now I can't remember my point because I'm still looking at Darius's face. All right, Darius, keep talking, and I'll get back to my point. This doesn't happen to me often. We, we shook him. We shook your face. I love it. All right. Change so another thing that stood out Rubio. to me, and I think this is going to be a trend during the early part of the season, is the group that made the run in the second quarter, quarter was mostly holdover guys from last year. Bench guys, right? It was Caruso and KCP and um, Markeith Morris. Um, and then Trez was in there. And I can't remember Kuz. Kuz was in there, LeBron, and, and, and LeBron was kind of the guy who tied it together. Right? Yeah, and then LeBron, 
Mike, you had made this point multiple times over the course of the pod, but the idea of, hey, when it's like crunch time and it's time to win, we may end up seeing a lot of these groups from that are like a last year group, right? Who have all the chemistry and have all that togetherness built in to what they want to do and and you'll see them succeed while that very well may end up being true i thought that showed up a little bit in those in that second quarter line lineup and even that fourth quarter lineup to start where it's just like all right we're gonna push back a little bit here and try to get things back and it just shows the value of continuity and i think highlighted the fact that the lakers as a whole don't have that yet but in some of these smaller like micro parts of the game they still do by a fair amount and and that's something to watch as the season progresses so so that's less clippers focused but more i think big picture stuff i've found my remember my little point Uh, in the first quarter mostly but throughout parts of the game lebron and ad were repeatedly isolating abaca and driving past him and i thought that was Mm. interesting so like that's that's one of those playoff series type things that if OK, wait, well, we think of Babaka as this uh, really impactful defender and he can still block shots. But he laterally was not able to stick with either AD or LeBron. And that's one of those things where I'm always looking like so they can't have Lou Williams on the floor, speaking of him, because they can always isolate him and pick on him in an actual game. And if if they're going to be able to go at Ibaka like that, that's another guy um, that is kind of interesting compared to, you know, look, they do the same thing probably to Zoo um, if he were in those crunch time situations out on the perimeter. So that that to me, the Clippers still might are kind of like a player on the perimeter short um, an initiator on the on the shor- uh, on the perimeter short. And then if 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 neither Ibaka or uh, Zoo can can fit, sort of fend that off, that's another area to attack. No, that's a great point. And those things that are worth filing away go in both directions, right? And that was one of them. And when you can isolate a team's primary rim protector in a one-on-one situation, that means, and that guy can't stay in front of someone, the other four guys are not rim protectors, right? So they're not going to rotate over and do much to bother LeBron or AD in those situations. So that's a great point. Uh, I would love to get into to Schroeder's game. I thought there was a lot of interesting matchup stuff, but let's save that for the next one. We are not going to have a show on Friday, which is Christmas Day. Uh, have everyone spend time with their families. So we will be back on next Monday. For our next pod, we have a couple games before then. I hope you all have Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays uh, in, a, in a tough year. You get some good time with your family and, and some peace and happiness. Just a, yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody. Uh, you've been listening to Laker Film hey, Room hey, Podcast. Happy, hey, Happy Holidays to you guys. Yes. That's right. It's been, uh, it's been amazing doing the show with you guys last with you, Darius last four years. We just had our four year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. And for the last few months with you, Mike, this has been great. We got a, I think we're like the Lakers. We got a lot of talent and we're, you know, figuring out the different ways that we can utilize. We're that. talking about so, it. Uh, Pete. I'm learning. I'm learning. Mike has boundaries, right? We gotta gotta establish the locker room. You know, yeah. We're we're, it's early season. We're learning these things, you know. So anyway, this is fun, guys. Uh drop drop opening night. (laughs) Uh got Luca and the Mavs, which should be a fun game on Christmas. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. 
catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.